here and Lee here catch the roundabout or should I say catch, catch the, the roundabout all right did that you know this there's a really important topic that people don't think about enough and it, it creates confusion at least it did in my life and your life yes. and out of all the deep topics one is why musicians have the same name as some other people and then when you read a magazine you get confused. And there's many examples. I can begin with an easy one. Yeah. You want to hear an easy one? Yes, absolutely. It caused this this issue actually caused many This has caused a lot a lot of this lot of issues. Misunderstanding in the past. So, so one uh, of them, we got Glenn Hughes, who you and I saw together actually in the uh, the Dead Daisies. And at the Sony Hall, yes, right. Recently. And we were talking about. And we talk about Glenn, Glenn Hughes is a legend from Deep Purple. I mean, he was in Black Sabbath. He was in Black Country Communion. He's in Dead Days. He's in <laughs> Glenn, Glenn Hughes is like in everything. So he's a vocalist, bass player that from England. Both Oak Trapeze is original band. Wales, Wales, right? <laughs> Wales, and, and and what a great player. But you know, all of a sudden, you get to like the late seventies, and then. People are like, yeah, Glenn Hughes is great. He's really pushing the disco movement. And I was a little bit confused. I was just like, what movement are they referring to? So little did we know that in, in the village people, there's a Glenn Hughes. Yes, there was Glenn Hughes. And, and you know, it, the Indian. for me, it was, uh, <laughs> for me, it was uh, believable because uh, Glenn Hughes was getting more into funky <clears throat> stuff and he was friends with Stevie Wonder. Right. Actually, Stevie Wonder once... Uh, said that uh, Glenn Hughes was his favorite white soul singer. So I mean, that's, that's a great compliment. It's kind yeah. of a compliment, they but... They were friends uh, all uh, during that Comtase the band, the Purple Era, and uh, mm -hmm. hanging out with David Bowie and all of that kind of... At that time, they were all in that L.A. scene or whatever it, it was. But the thing that we had... in L.A. But you, they, they were on that wavelength, but then we always wonder, like, the people we'll talk about... Have they ever considered making a record together? And then that way the confusion ends. So if I go to buy a Glenn Hughes album and I get faked out, I got the other Glenn Hughes on the album. <laughs> so, you know, if you went to buy the album and he's singing and playing bass and the guy with the Indian headset is on there too, you're like, okay, come along for the ride. I buy it. I bought so many records that way. Right? Sometimes well, I even buy a record that uh, evokes memory of a different musician. And right? Just because of the name. So, right? And then... And, and by the way, mm -hmm. by the way, actually, I just ordered this record from uh, Japan, and I will receive it in a few weeks. The one that Glenn Hughes did—that—that—that that, that was his 
funky album called Play Me Out. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty rare to find record. So I can't wait to get that, but uh, of course I listened to it many times before and it uh, it's kind of drastically different from Deep Purple. Uh, yeah, he was on his own wavelength at the time, but I guess the question is, did Glenn Hughes ever buy any um, Village People recordings or did the Village people ever sit around and listen to Glenn Hughes? Yes, that's a question. It's and a it's a essential question. Something that some people should uh, address. Um, I don't know if you had also a similar um, confusion with a musician you'd like to share. This is very, very... Uh, this caused many issues uh, for me. Uh, there's a guitarist called Stuart Smith uh, mm. who released some albums also with Glenn Hughes as a guest. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, that's the bass player, yes. Glenn and he, Hughes. And he was a good friend with uh, Richard Blackmore. He says that Richard Blackmore was his teacher, so his mentor. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I got that album that was sometime in the late '90s or something like that. And then many years ago, many many years after that, I found out that the Eagles had a guitarist with the name Stuart Smith, who did all of these Don Felder parts perfectly. Wow. In concert, and I saw him live. I didn't, and I didn't even know that was Stuart Smith at that time. It mm. was blew my mind when I found that out. Is there another Stuart Smith, or are you just telling us that? Maybe there's a third one. I don't. Oh, okay, know. wait. So the so second one, one from the Eagles, right? So the one with the Eagles, studio musician, studio musician, uh, session musician. So when you saw him, you were excited, thinking he was the guy working with Glenn Hughes and like Richie Blackmore. Yeah, but but it wasn't. Him. And then when it wasn't him, you did the whole oh oh, it's not you. I'm sorry. So you actually got faked out and went to the whole. You went down the full journey. It was confusing. That's a lot to deal with, and then when you got to like the '80s. You know, you sit like this, people would be like, hey, you think Roger Taylor's a good drummer? I'd go, yeah, as far as Queen goes. And then by the time you got to the 80s, people would go, I'm not talking about Queen. i go, oh, uh, what were you talking about? And talking about Duran Duran. So, a, a tale of two Rogers. Now, those guys, I mean, think about Queen made probably more bigger, you know, making movies about it and stuff. And but it must have been a little confusing if someone calls up the drummer, hey, Roger, Roger, can you make the album? Can you make the date? As if they were doing studio sessions. And then the guy's like, what? And then the wrong guy shows up. How great would that be? Because they're playing the same instrument. And I think around the same time, they were, they were really in demand. Yep. I mean, as bands, I don't think they did many outside sessions, you know, because their right. bands were huge in the mid-80s. Mm -hmm. Queen had really successful albums well, what if and Duran Duran was right? on their, their peaks so who knows that, that, that would cause many problems and, and actually like many legal issues because who knows how many companies yeah. really had their stake but what if you do an all-star session and you go well the purpose of this session is you want a big name like Roger Taylor and you're expecting the guy from Queen and instead your agent did the wrong thing he sends him to the guy from Duran and he shows up and then you go oh okay you'll do alright hey everybody we got the guy from Duran Duran instead. Are you good with that? And everyone just kind of goes, okay. I, th I think we should do further research on if they ever appeared on the same session. And I think the first thing to look at would be, uh, for example, uh, some uh, uh, humanitarian concerts and things like that. Uh, Is it safe to say charity? at Live Aid they were both there? Yeah, Wait maybe. a minute. Yeah, they were both there fighting world hunger. Together. Together. What if they ran into each other in the backstage? Good show, Raj. Good show. 
and then you know they didn't do a photo op to capitalize or did the photographer screw it up when they took if they took the picture and said Roger Taylor with Roger Taylor and then those are two interchangeable same names it wouldn't matter yeah, it's it can cause issues it could once uh, years ago I worked at the restaurant where the owner had the same name like one of the waiters so he made the waiter change his name so he went by initial he had to choose different name you can you can share the same name so there's a big Roger and a and Raj or it's a lot to take in um, did you have another one you want to rattle off because I'm I got I got many here to think, I think about. How about uh, Mick Jones from Foreigner and oh, uh, I was just going, Mick Jones from Clash. Just going that. Tell me that didn't mess your mind up. Cuz cuz I remember when Mick Jones got fired from the Clash and it said Mick Jones starting his own band, Big Audio Dynamite. I'm like, how's the guy in Foreigner going to do that too? See, and I knew who both Mick Jones were, but I was just like, can you please specify specifically because then when they said um Oh, Mick Jones is going to produce. Um, didn't you pick who what album did he produce? Um, he produced somebody else's album, and it was unexpected. So, but oh, I thought it was right. a Billy Joel or something. Yeah, yeah, he did, he did some production stuff. And then I'm sitting there going, something else to, yes. And I, but I was like, I was like, he has that kind of talent. I was like, oh wow, amazing. So Mick Jones, we know, you know, spooky tooth guy, foreigner guy, great guitar player, great producer, but. Of no lesser weight, Mick Jones, co-leader of The Clash, writing and singing songs in The Clash, songs like Train in Vain, hits like Should I Stay or Should I Go, Spanish Bombs, and, you know, when he left, when he got, sorry, got fired from The Clash, Big Old Dynamite was like a brave, interesting 80s way to go, but I'm sure the other Mick Jones and the other, it's it just like there was too much Mick Jones in the news, because then Lou Graham quit Foreigner. They're like, what's Mick Jones going to do by himself? I'm like, I thought we already covered this. And to add something, I think, I should check that on Wikipedia later, but I think that Angel, the band that was on Kiss record label, Casablanca, amazing band with a great image, they had a bass player, I think he was called Mick Jones too. I can check the record now, I can go to the other room and check it out. Well, that's, that's a lot. Let me see, I'm going to check on Wikipedia if, if that's... <sighs> I mean, this would really... I mean, that's like, that'd be like... Well, maybe I made a mistake, let me see. Let and me why see. Why in the 80s, when everybody was trying to grab a piece of the market, wouldn't Mick Jones and Foreigner reach out to the guy from The Clash and just go, hey, I heard you just quit The Clash. Yes, Ooh. Mickey Jones. Mickey Jones, Mickey yes. Jones. Mickey Jones, he likes to be called. Yes. But his, maybe, maybe some friends will call him Mick in that case. But... Definitely in print, because there was no internet back when I was reading this stuff in high school, in a magazine where it says Mick Jones, the Demi. You want to be Mick Jones 1 or Mick Jones 2? Or you should put the band's name in your name. Mick Jones Clash or Mick Jones Foreigner. Or and Mick, Mick <laughs> Jones Yeah, It doesn't have to be that bad a thing. Um, but... Uh, wait, were both of those... No, no, they never ran into each other on a stage, I don't think. But... Um, I wonder if Joe Strummer should have worked with Mick Jones from Foreigner. He could be like this. Hey, now you're a Mick Jones I can get along with, but I don't like you. You're corporate rock. It was something like that would have probably happened. But then Lou Graham, when he left Foreigner, he could have went to the other Mick Jones and went, you know, I'm sick of that guy. I'll do punk. I don't care. Yeah, Mick, turn up the guitar. And it could have been big audio Lou Graham. But none of these things happened, and they should have been considered. 
Do you have uh, someone else buzzing on your list? Because I mean, I think you, your, your list is very long. So, so, so let me let me um, let me share mine. I have less than you, I think. Feel free. How, how about uh, B Evans? I mean, we we have two uh, big B Evans. So. Two two giants of jazz. And then it was this is where it confused me. Hey, this is the jazz nerd section of the podcast for anyone who can't deal with it. But check it out. So Bill Epps, so the first time I saw John McLaughlin was with Mahavishnu opening for a weather update in nineteen eighty six. And they're like they're like this, like, yeah, Bill Evans is in the band. I'm like, uh, isn't that guy dead? But I was like, Oh, I'll just go with it. So then I see this guy Bill Evans plays sax. I'm like, wow, that, that guy's great. He's he's awesome. So then you start to get more into jazz, and you're like, oh, no, 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 Bill Evans is a piano player. Playing Miles Davis, he's great. Everybody likes this guy. So I'm like, okay. But here's where I ran into confusion. I, once I straightened out the separate ones, when John McLaughlin made the album Time Remembered as a tribute to Bill Evans, I'm like, wow, he really liked his saxophone player. I'm like, he made a tribute to his side player. And, and I, I bought into it the whole time until... Got the album and I'm like, oh, I always talk about the piano player. So in jazz, if you if you miss the old Bill Evans who's dead on piano, you know, why not just live off the one that's living on saxophone? Can, can you imagine you find yourself at a party and you start talking about music with somebody and you you use different musicians' name thinking that you're telling the other musician story. Right. And you make a fallout of yourself. Right, and they start ripping you apart, going, hey, excuse me, you, hey, you, hey, Mr. Fraud, I don't think you ever met that guy. And then, no, because if you're talking about the Bill Evans who was alive, like I said, I saw Bill Evans in 1986 with John McLaughlin, imagine some drunk old jazzbo came up to me and he's like, you're you're a liar, he's been dead since 1980, I would hate to have to go through that, although I didn't have to, just saying, so... You know that was a nice addition. I didn't. I didn't think I had that one coming up. So, so that's good. Um, okay, you take over. Uh, you so some great. Uh, semi-controversial, but we're gonna mix two different musics. Uh, Dave Holland, great bass player. Uh, Miles Davis, Anthony Braxton, solo stuff. Um, you know, a bass player from England who came to America, played on some seminal Miles Davis yeah, Miles albums Davis. in a silent way, "Bitches Brew," and then. Worked in um, with Anthony Braxton and Sam Rivers. Did the free uh, free jazz loft scene in New York, and then eventually weaved his way into his own quintet and well respected. Used on so many records, so we like that Dave Holland. We're great with him. But then in rock, if we went back in the time machine, we'd be like, oh wow, Dave Holland. Wait, the guy who plays drums for Trapeze? Oh, and Judas Priest. Yeah, we're okay with that now. He was great in Trapeze, playing with Glenn Hughes, if we overuse the name. Uh, not to be confused with the guy in The Village People. He was playing with the Glenn Hughes who plays bass and sings from Deep Purple. So Trapeze was a great trio. And then you got him playing in the initial Judas Priest, and like, whoa, how can you go wrong? And then they came, we don't want to go into this in the podcast, but he became a, a naughty person, let's say. He went on to the, uh, he had like a child sex scandal kind of porno thing that brought him down and then he was booted away it's mentioned in Glenn Hughes's book the Glenn Hughes Deep Purple guy yeah it's actually interesting the Glenn Hughes and Tony Iommi had the album that yeah. they recorded yeah. together with Dave Holland and they got rid of the drum after that uh, happened yeah. they didn't want to be associated with uh, with him so uh, I think uh, I let me see that there's this session drummer that plays on everything 
they replaced it with a with a session drummer. Right. Tracks. There's and no. I, I, I forgot who it was, but the guy that plays with I know types of maybe not Billy Joel, but like with that kind of. Uh, well, not Liberty Devito, not that guy. Mm-hmm. Not Liberty Devito. No, it's uh. Oh, Ken, uh, Aronoff. Not Kenny Aronoff. Yeah. Oh, wait. I think yeah. Maybe? I think it is Kenny Aronoff. Yeah. So so they so he played with maybe uh, with uh, John Malcolm. I, th- I think yeah. I think so. It was a hard time for you know Glenn Hughes and Tony. I were like, good. We we got rid of this guy's drum track. We got we got Kenny Aronoff. Whatever. We feel good. And and by the way, listeners, you can double check this stuff quicker than like we can because we can't like totally multitask. But yeah, yeah. but if you, if you're wrong, somewhere that's, that's but a, okay. But a bigger problem would be for Dave Holland, the respected jazz bass player, when they're like, "Yep, busted busted on kitty porn." I mean, wh- what if the jazz label dropped him or someone said, "Hey, Dave, we got the news." So glad that that didn't spread like uh, music cancer and didn't finish off our friend Dave Holland, who we're good with. Uh, the other Dave Holland, we're going to leave him on the ash pile of uh, heavy metal drumming, you know, because that, that's, that's where he put himself. So here's another weird... Now we'll move into... <clears throat> this one made no sense. So David Cross, not an everyday name as far as, like, musicians in the 70s, but a big part of King Crimson in the, in the, in the yeah. mid-70s, he played... Violin. Violin. He played keyboards in the John Wetton era of King Crimson, and he was very talented, and he, he had a, he had a very cool thing going on. I mean, he played Central Park for that great concert, and then, you know, I mean, his career, let's just say, calmed down a lot, and then he's probably done more in the past 10 years than he did in the past 30, because he was just making a bunch of music musician appearances, so I'm like, oh, go David Cross. You know, who's better than you? But then, when I saw the comedian David Cross, the ball guy, it was confusing the heck out of me. Like someone would say, it "Makes no sense." No, I mean, like it's no. He's doing it goes like this. Hey, he's a household name uh, for some people in two completely different fields. Yeah, because when David Cross was back warming his career up again, the violinist, and people were like, "Hey, do you want to see that David Cross special?" I'm like, "Definitely." <laughs> and then and then you turn a movie on. Like or two thing, and he like, who's that? Oh, that's David Cross. And I'm like, no, that's some Paul guy with big glasses. Like, no, no, that's David Cross, the comedian. And you'd be like, um, does he play violin and keyboards? No, okay. And then when I did see a movie or two with that David Cross, that was kind of funny. It made me wish that the real David Cross, who played violin and keyboards, could be a little more funny. You know, maybe he could tell jokes. Maybe he could just stop playing the. Or wait, there was a comedian, Henny Youngman. He was a very old guy with a violin. And he used to go up on a stage and go, uh, take my wife. And then he'd go, eee! and everyone thought it was funny. And he, he was the one to tell the dumb joke. I just flew in from L.A. and boy, are my arms tired. Like, those jokes were terrible. But he stood there with a violin and everyone thought he was great. Maybe there could be a double David Cross thing, too. Like, one dude tells jokes and the other guy stands there kind of doing a, a Henny Youngman play-along thing. Maybe it can be a supplemental income for, uh, for certain careers. <laughs> it's like <laughs> career, big career move. You know, in the 80s you do uh, yeah comedy, and then you do big comeback in the 90s. Or and I, then I don't know. and then Chris, so many options. In the, right, it's like crisscross, like crossing, like they're, they're crossing each. You know, mm-hmm. so but, the, but only if you have a high awareness do the, these problems even exist. But like now, and, and uh, sorry, talking about okay. crisscross, that there was. Uh, uh, there oh. was an artist. There was a band from the uh, 90s. It was uh, hold it. Oh, wait a minute. You just said it. 
crisscrossed as that singer, and then there's another crisscross in Ultravox. Yeah, and then also there's a crisscross uh, uh, child band uh, rap duo. Dude, rap pop duo from the nineties. Dude, is, you're this right. Is a mind blow. This, this is, is we ridiculous. didn't even plan this one. Yeah, we didn't plan this at all. It's so like everywhere did. So Chris, so we got, we got, so we got Chris Cross, the guy singing "Sailing Takes yeah. Me Away." Christopher, Chris, yes. right? And then we got Chris Cross in Ultravox, and what instrument did he play? Uh, no, Warren Can played drums. Billy Curry played keyboard. So I'm thinking Chris Cross played like bass. No guitar. He played, <laughs> he played bass. Major played guitar. So, but then you're right. That song Chris Cross, which. Uh, I think I could hum the melody too, but I think it would offend the listeners because I, I'm, I'd have to cite it from memory. Uh, do you remember the melody to that song from the, from the kid group? But is there a possibility that all three could just do one project again, crisscross, like the kids, the guy from Ultravox, and is the other crisscross still alive? I mean, well, unless I'm not sure, but the kids are now in their let me see, in their mid uh, thirties or something like that. But it's it's like so so we have we have a good right there full, uh, full band there. <laughs> but uh, as far as and the other thing I never investigated when I was young was why wouldn't Chris Cross do sailing races and sponsor things or gets like why wouldn't he be involved in like races with boats and sailing? Yeah, I just never, I'm just thinking about that now on this podcast. This is and just, who knows maybe it already happened because it, you know there are so many. I'm going to uh, check on YouTube. So many companies that monitor these uh, musicians and the content of the songs and, uh, yeah, and license it for their products. Uh, uh, that was a, that was an unplanned yeah, one. Exactly. I didn't see that one coming. Um, on, on drummers now, this one might have threw people, but like Alan White, drummer for Yes, right? He replaces Bill Bruford, 1973, yeah. and Eric 72. Clapton, I think. Um, so, yeah. he, played, he played with John Lennon. He played with John he did a lot of everything back then before he landed in, in just like mostly yes and then so we like that as guys but then all of a sudden the 90s come and they're, they're like yeah that Alan White what a great drummer I just thought it was an echoing thought and then and they're talking about the drummer in Oasis Alan White I'm like I'm like well he's a young hip band from the 90s and then you have this guy who was considered but this dinosaur by, right. the, by maybe that generation and right but now it, it would have been amazing to really connect different generations and to true I don't want to offend Alan White if he's listening to this meaning the guy from Yes but because you might have suffered a setback with the old feet and you got that guy Jay Shellen helping why not just have the Oasis drummer guy just play drums in Yes and then when they say when someone honestly asks go is Alan White actually playing drums in Yes you can say yep Absolutely. There was also an Alan White guitar player, I think, who played with Morrissey. Got to double check that, but I think he played on the year Arsenal. Wikipedia, Wikipedia, it's spelled differently, though. I think it's W Y um, something like that. Why? So, so I think can, I think that counts. Actually, my next example will be. But if the spelling's different, <laughs> you know. But you know. But but again, the spelling could be off a little bit. But if you're in a conversation and you go and in the '90s, you go, "That Alan White, man, what a great drummer." And you mean Oasis, and another guy means yes. Right now, it's all flattening out, because I think the drummer from Oasis is doing much more. Oh yeah, there it is. See, it's spelled Alain White, right? Is that an I in the in the first name on the Morrissey guitar player? Y T. I don't see why they can't all do a project together. 
Yeah. But then just just same names. I'm just saying branding, and then just and then just agree on one spelling. And then we have uh, I have actually two more that just came to. Whoa. Me. John Anderson, yes. And then there's some John Anderson country star. I believe so. And there was also a guy who ran for president in 1980 named John Anderson. In which country? Oh, here he was an independent candidate, and he was considered. And everyone had like John Anderson bumper stickers, but. It contributed nothing to yes because he was out, but he was J O H N. Um, I think the country star is also J O H N, but you know. Since but you got to work with what you got, right? So, you know, we we all can. But if you want to stay on yes soundalikes, uh oh, here's another one because we went from Alan White. What about Steve Howe? I know you're like whoa. So Steve, there's another Steve Howe. Yeah, no, there's another Steve Howe. Bro, okay, this is bro, check this, this is out. Ridiculous. <laughs> Steve Howe. You know, classic guitar player from Yes. We know he played in Bodist and Tomorrow. More famously after that in Asia and GTR and, you know, and then then he's more famously the only custodian in Yes right now uh, playing guitar. But there was a confusion. There was a Steve Howe baseball player who started with the Angels and more finished with the Yankees. But he got busted for drugs like eight times. And... Every time they had an announcement, scandal. This is dude, on one of the drug buffs, because the radio, you know, back then, no internet, they'd be like, 1010 Nguyen's. They'd be like, Steve Howell busted again for drugs. I'd be like, again? What do you mean again? When was the first time? Well, is that the reason there's a problem with yes or a problem with Asia? I'm like, I thought John Wen had the problem. And then you find out, oh, I'm like this baseball guy. So then after a while, you're like, how many times did I get busted in baseball and then keep his job? Makes you think about, like, wow, what do I got to do to join Major League Baseball? And then... You think if Steve Howe and Yes got busted eight times for drugs, you don't think Yes would have had a band meeting and kicked them out? You see? That's a, that's a well, issue. Not the drug band. Uh, no. It wasn't. No. And and those guys aren't interchangeable like that because I don't think Steve, Steve Howe, uh, the baseball player, is dead, by the way. So I don't think he could play guitar. And I damn well, you look at Steve Howe from Yes, I mean, he looks like a crazy old guy. He doesn't look like he'd hold a baseball bat. So, but... When you hear these things announced in the press and there's, you know, things scandal associated, it's not easy on anybody. Um, I think I had, I had like one more that kind of funny, I guess, which would be... Uh, I think I have a really good one maybe oh, for the... Let, you want to let it out, let it out, man. Don't hold this back. Is, this is different spelling, but it's, it's a really good story. Uh, Richard Blackmore and Rick Blakemore. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jolene Turner, who was the last singer of Rainbow in the 80s, he was in a band called Fandango. Yeah. And uh, coincidentally, the guitarist in Fandango was called Rick Blakemore. And then, after he got the job uh, in Rainbow, then he met Richard Blackmore. For him, it, it must have been mind-blowing. Right, but so if they... they with this guy, and then the other guy is like, it's almost the same, but... Probably different personalities, but by the name, the name, the name. They'd probably be offended going, I'm not like the other guy. So like the, the jazz singer, Big Joe Turner, they'd be like, oh, Joe Lynn Turner, are you like him? No, he's nothing like you. Well, you like that Joe? Look, it's not even the same name. Close enough, is that where we're going with this Joe? And I think Joe would have flipped his hair back and went, hey man, I'm the future, you're the past. As Richie Blackmore quoted him and saying to the late, great John Lord, which was a kind of a ridiculous comment when you think about it but on my uh, on my silly list I 
I could leave it on this one because there's just too many we could actually drum up. But this one was, uh, so you got Brian May from Queen, Mr. Guitar Player, Mr. Architect of uh, their orchestral sound with uh, Freddie Mercury. And then you find out there's, you know, Brian May, the film composer. So then you're like seeing a movie and it says, you know, composed by Brian May. I go, yep, sounds like a great movie. <laughs> and then you'd listen to the soundtrack extra going, and then you're playing a trick with your mind going, wait a minute, I really think I'm hearing some guitar parts from News of the World on this. Yeah, yeah, this is great. Oh, and then it's not the guy. So then the wrench gets thrown. I can't remember the movie, but then Brian May from Queen went and did a film soundtrack. And it said, oh, soundtrack by Brian May. But it was like, really, Brian May? Which may have confused people because they may have been looking for the other Brian May going, oh, no, we want a film soundtrack. We don't want any rock and roll. The hell, who the hell are you? Who do you think you are doing film soundtrack music? It makes no sense. It's, like... it's, it's a lot to ponder on. So I don't look. If anyone doesn't have these issues, that's great. That's just freaking fantastic for you. But if you never, ever had any name confusion, you're just a wonderful person. But um, we've come across this and we thought this was worth addressing. Yes, and uh, I think worth exploring. So, thank you, everybody. For more questions and comments on the same name subject, you're able to um, email us. Don't we have an email? Um, catch the roundabout ca- at gmail.com. Is it? Yes. It is. It, it is, is catch yes, the roundabout. Yes, yeah. Okay. You sure it's nothing else? I want to make sure. Oh, we know. No, that's the one, yes. Do you we have to know we your own? We don't mislead. The do you have to know your mislead. own email for your own show? I guess you do, right? Yes. Okay, do you know your phone number, by the way? Oh, yes. See, okay, yes. I'm not sure. All right. Well, we're going to leave it right here and uh, until the next uh, stream of consciousness kicks in. Until then, catch the roundabout.